Watch this. Wives, oh, man, here we go. Watch this. Submit to your own husbands. Don't be trying to submit to somebody else's husband. And don't be calling somebody else's husband your own husband. It's going to get good today. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Look at verse 23. Boy, boy, boy. For the husband is head of, is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, now this is verse 33, and we are accustomed to just end our reading there because it's the end of chapter 5. And I never really understood why they put another chapter right after this verse because if you'll read verse 1 of chapter 6, it's just a continuation of the same train of thought that we just got through looking at. How do I know that? Look at the first word of the first verse. Children. He, and watch, he's still talking about the order of the home. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father, father and mother. Watch this. He talked about the same two people in verses 23 through 33. But now they, we find out that the same two people, husbands and wives, carry on a dual role and now become mothers and fathers. Same two people. Watch this. Which is the commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. He starts with husbands. Watch the last thing that he addresses. And you, fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. One more verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You ain't got to turn there, just take my word for it. Write it down and go make sure I'm telling you the truth later. Husbands, talking to you again. Likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, watch this, watch, when honor is established and as being heirs together of the grace of life, grace follows honor for what? To live life in a way that you can enjoy it. 
the joy of your marriage comes from the concept of honor. I want to talk about that today. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the dads and the fathers in this house. I pray that today that you would help me to speak your word, not my own. I pray that your spirit would come and penetrate every heart. Let the people of God today receive the word of God with gladness, embraced in their hearts, sealed up, and do not let the birds of the air come and devour it, but let it bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're hungry for the word today, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Honor is not something that begins in the house of God. It's something that begins in your house. And I want to say this about honor because it, honor cannot be disguised. You cannot, you cannot, you can pretend to be a lot of things, but you, here's one thing that you cannot pretend. You cannot pretend to be a person of honor when you're really not a person of honor. Ah, all right. In other words, you cannot be dishonorable in your home and then come to church, especially in a Pentecostal setting, and shundai and shikimo and fall out in the floor and act like you love God and act like you love everybody else, but, but show a level of dishonor in your own home. I am pastorally concerned that our generation that we live in now is a generation of one of such dishonor. I mean, everywhere I go, I see craziness. Y'all ain't going to help nobody. I see foolishness. I see people disrespecting people, and I see people dishonoring people that people back in the day just wouldn't have put up with. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have put so much emphasis on the church that we have devalued what it means to be able to walk out of the church, go to our homes, and raise our families and live godly lives. And so now we have become very professional at masking our foolishness and masking our dishonor. We have become experts at pretense and we have become experts at disguising our dishonor by our Pentecostal bounces and our fake smiles and our uplifted hands. And we can come to the house of the Lord and act like we got it all together but have the audacity and and the unmitigated gall to walk out of a church where we made everybody believe we were so holy, get into a vehicle and cuss everybody out. Brothers and sisters, that kind of behavior ought not be so. So I want to talk about the family today, and I want to talk about, I want to first talk about marriage. Mm. You say, well, I'm not married. It's not going to speak to me. Just hang on. I'm coming for you in just a minute. Christy and I have only been married five years now, going on six. So there's a lot. I, I, I preface this with there's a lot that we still have to learn. And there is a lot that we have already learned, not just through experience, but through the Bible. Help me right here. If, you're a dr if you have a past of drugs and alcohol, you do everything you do to teach your kids to not have to go through that so that they don't have to learn through experience. That same thing with marriage. 
Here's what I want you to tell you. Here's what I want you to know about marriage. God did not call you to endure your marriage. God called you to enjoy your marriage. Paul understood, watch this, Paul understood that if you're going to have a healthy home and a healthy marriage, watch this, it starts by having a healthy man. <laughs> Y'all going to get quiet today. I think that sometimes if we're going to understand this, we need to understand and remind ourselves of how this whole thing started in the beginning. I want you to know that it did, it did not start with a man and a child. It did not start with a woman and a child. This whole thing began with a man. And then the Bible says that God said it's not good for man to be alone. Some of you single men said, praise God, I believe it. It's not good for me to be alone. So the text teaches us that God put man, Adam, into a deep sleep. And then while Adam was in a deep sleep, the Bible says that God took a bone from the side of Adam. I want, us to, I, want us to, I want to draw your attention this morning on the side of Adam. That's important. Why? Because God didn't take a bone from the foot of Adam because woman was never intended to be under Adam's feet. God didn't take a bone from the head of Adam because woman was never meant to be intended to be above her man. The Bible says that God took a bone from the side of Adam. Why? Because woman was intended to stand by her man. Help me right there, somebody. So when we begin to talk about the concept and idea of marriage, I want it, it's real simple, real simple. God created what? Man and woman. Man and woman. I'm not going to just lean into this too much, but this is the very reason why nobody can go to the Supreme Court and have a legitimate, educated conversation about same-sex marriage because same-sex marriage does not exist. God said, you can't take what I've created, revamp it and revise it and redefine it and then come back to me and expect for me to put my stamp on it. If you're going to have a marriage that is blessed by God, it's got to be done the way that God said that it has to be done. It's got to be done God's way. God did not create Adam and Steve. God did not create Eve and Sandy. God created Adam, male, and Eve, female. And if we're going to have the blessing of God in our home, our homes has to be constructed in the way that God said that it has to be done. Somebody give God praise. Now, I'm not being mean about that or critical or judgmental. I say that in love, but I want you to understand that it's no different me talking about that than it would be me talking to someone that's addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography or let's just go a step further, someone who can't zip their lip, that likes to gossip about everybody, that likes to lie, cheat, and steal. Listen, it's no different, and if you're here this morning, you're, you're dealing with any of those things, uh, drugs, pornography, gossip, homosexuality, whatever your struggle is, I want you to know that, number one, you're welcomed in this church and you are loved in this church. And as a matter of fact, everybody that's here, no matter what sin you're dealing with, we love you just as we are. But number two, we love you enough. If you love somebody that's in the house and the house is on fire, burning down, you don't let that person you love stay in that house. Out of love, you go to them and say, get out while you stay. 
still can. And we love you enough to tell you that not everything is okay. There's some things that need to change. But God and his mercy and his grace, one trip to Calvary will wash your black heart with his red blood and make your slate white as snow. Somebody give God praise. So a relationship with Christ makes all things new. So let's talk about husbands and wives. It does not start with the woman, sir. It starts with the man. It's interesting to me that God, through Paul, starts this conversation with husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. I've taught this before. The word husband is the Latin word houseband. It's where we get the English word husband from. Husbands, let me say it this way. You're the spiritual band that goes around your house and that holds your house together. I just want you to know that you cannot just go to work, come home, lay around the house and burp and fart and watch TV all day and call yourself a husband. Come on, it takes more than that. Listen, if you want your house to be a house of honor, sir, then you're going to have to be an honorable person. Let me say it this way. You've got to be a man that, first of all, the Bible says the first thing that's supposed to be submissive is the man, not to the woman first, but to God first. If we're going to have honor in our homes, then we're going to have to learn how to submit to God. And so many times we want everybody around us to submit to us, and we want our children to honor us, and we want our wives to honor us, but we're not, honor, we're not operating in a way that's honoring to God. Fathers, we have to be men of honor. And the way that we do that, the first step is for us to honor God and submit to Him. you got to be a person that honors God. Watch this. And as we honor God, God gives us a helpmate that walks in the same level of honor to help us through life. Isn't that true? So today, sirs, it starts by you walking in a level of honor, submission to God. And everything else falls into place. You can't do it backwards. The pecking order of God is that the man submits and honors God first and then honors his wife. But watch this. If everything, if the first thing is out of place, nothing else will be in place. So, so why is that important to know? Because if you're in a place right now where you feel like I'm talking to you, then your first step is go back to the first step and get the first step right first. You with me this morning? So let me just go ahead and walk through this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, it says, husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding. I, I've taught on this recently on a Wednesday night. I won't go there. But when it says to dwell with your wives, it does not mean that you come in from work and you say three words to your wife and you pick up the TV remote and you turn on direct TV, and you go crack open a can of Dr. Pepper. Y'all thought I was going to say Bud Light, but I said Dr. Pepper. And you grab the bag of Cheetos on your way to the couch. 
and then have the unmitigated gall that when nighttime gets here, you want to go to the bedroom with your wife and have intimacy when you hadn't made. Look, we want so much return from pathetic deposits in our marriage. Okay, it got quiet. I felt like I was talking to everybody in the house. A lot of times as men, we expect a high return when we give pathetic deposits. So the Bible says to dwell. It literally means to, to walk in step. Not in front of her, not behind her, but right beside her. Walk in step with her. And this is very le- uh, revelatory, but it's also a little humorous. It's not only that we dwell with them, but it's not just that we dwell with them, but we have to dwell with them having understanding. Brothers, if you don't know this, your wife is not the same as you. Now, there's some things I've learned from the Bible, but this is one that I've learned from experience. I, you can Google books right now, what women want. And if it's written by a man, don't buy it. They don't know. They don't know. Husbands, your wives is different than you are. They're, they're not wired the same. Huh? But what's amazing is that both were created in the image of God. There is value in both men and women. One is not important, more important than the other. They are both equally favored and blessed by God. But when it comes to personality, yeah, when it comes to living together, when it comes to behavioral styles, women are different. Mm? So let me help you, all the husbands in the house today, your wife is different. So you have to know that when you dwell with her, having understanding of what? That she's different. Because if you don't understand that, your whole marriage is going to be a marriage of frustration. Why doesn't she act like me? Why doesn't she like the same things I like? Why doesn't she want to do the same things I want to do? See, the key word here is understanding. And what we got to understand is that husbands, we like to get to the point on everything. Wives, they take a long time getting to the point. Y'all, y'all quiet today. Husbands, husbands, we can take a shower and get dressed in 2.7 minutes. Your wife, it takes an act of Congress to get clothes on her. Y'all ain't helping nobody today. Husbands want a decision. Wives want all the details. Where are you at? I'm up here at fault getting some plumbing supplies. What you getting? Supplies. What kind of supplies? For a job. Where's the job at? God, I got to go. I gotta, I'm going to work. Husbands want a destination. Wives want to take a journey. Husbands want a sofa, a remote, and a Dr. Pepper. Wives want a sofa, Chanel curtains, pillars, nightstands, lamps, pictures on the wall. Husbands just want some blinds. Wives want blinds, curtains, sachets, all this other stuff. Husbands want a sheet or no covers at all. Wives want a sheet, a comforter, five pillars, a stuffed animal, and all kinds of other things. Wives want a concrete driveway. Husbands want a concrete driveway. Wives want to plant a garden. I mean, we're different. Husbands come home wanting some action. Wives come home just wanting to talk. We're different. 
And we have to understand that. So let me give you the best advice, sir, in understanding how different your wife is. Happy wife, happy life. Huh? Let me put this on a more personal term. If she wants to, if she wants to come home and talk, then put away the TV remote, open up your caveman mouth, and sit there and talk to her because you'll find out that if you address her needs and give in to the things that she wants, you'll find out that you'll be the gem in her jelly roll. Come on, somebody. Help me right there. So Paul is giving us these clues. And he first starts out by saying that you have to dwell with your wife with understanding. Because, brothers, if you ain't patient, if you don't have long-suffering, and if you're not kind, you're going to have a hard time in your marriage. And what we have to do is, sirs, we have to break out of this cycle of dysfunction where we, where we bring up on ourselves and become the model that we want to pass down to another generation. You and I have to become the model that our kids can look at and say, I want to be like my daddy when I grow up. We've got to be an example in the church to children that don't have a father but desperately need one and them say, I I want to be like him when I grow up. Sir, it's up to us to be the example to a generation so that the next generation is not a dishonorable generation, but it's a generation that knows how to show honor and receive the grace of God. Give him some praise in the house. So I'm trying to hurry. I want to talk about honor real quick. Honor is, is when you place a value on something. It's, that's, what, that's what the definition is, and, and I'm not preaching on this today, but I just, I just want to help bring some clarity to our thinking. Because we get into a place where, I, you know, I just, they're so evil, I'm not going to honor them. And, and you can, there's room for a lot of things, but I just want to tell you today, we don't honor actions, but I, if honor by Webster's Dictionary is placing value on something, then I want you to know that God places value on every sinful person. And he loves that sinful person that's operating as an instrument of the enemy just as much as he love, loves you that has the, the blood of Christ flowing through your veins. And I'm just telling you this to think about that God has placed a high value and a high honor on evil people. Because he died for them just as much as he died for your sanctified self. Just food for thought. So this is what, this is what honor is. It's when you place a value on something. So watch this. And this is important because you and I don't get to decide the value of anything. We don't get, let me, let me say it this way so that we can just clear it up. You don't get to decide the value that God placed on his son Jesus. God has already determined the honor and the value that Jesus would have. He's the one that decided that. So God said, I'm going to give Jesus the name that's higher than any other name. That's how valuable it is. God said, I'm going to call him precious. I'm going to call him priceless. There's nobody that's going to be able to compare to him. Nobody else like Jesus. And here's something. God has already determined that. 
And if you and I honor Jesus in the same way that God has valued him, then we're showing him honor. But if, watch this, if we honor him or value Jesus at a lower price than God has already put on him, then we show him a level of dishonor. If we don't honor him at the level and the value that God has already said, he's predetermined the value of Jesus. And you and I cannot value him at any lesser rate. Okay, so watch. God said, this is Jesus. His name is greater than any other name. He's the greatest gift that the world has ever known. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's everlasting God, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to humanity. All right, watch. Watch this. God has said that about his son. So if you and I come to church and we say, oh, you know, it's just Jesus. He's not that big of a deal. Watch this. Watch this. It's going to hit your heart. It's not really. He's not somebody that I should get excited about. He ain't, you know, he's Jesus, but I mean, he really ain't all that. What we've done, sirs, is that we've showed him a level of dishonor. Because we've placed a lower value on him that, G, that God has already said was already predetermined. So it's when we come in and we don't give him our best. Hmm? When God has already said he is the best and he deserves our best. So dishonor comes in, and I'm going somewhere with this. I just wanted to use that one example. Dishonor comes in when we place a lower value on something that God has already predetermined the value of. Now, let's move this revelation into the home. Peter said, sir, honor your wife. You don't get to decide her value. God has already predetermined the value of the wife. He's already looked at man and said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He's already predetermined the value of a wife would have to the man and to the home. In the book of Genesis, God said he was going to give Adam a helpmate to stand by her side, to stand by her man's side and to get the job done. She's going to be the center of your life and she's going to be the jam in your jelly roll. He said she's going to be the best thing that I can give you. Watch this. God said it's going to be my gift to you. So watch this. Go with me. If God puts that kind of a value on your wife and you don't value her that highly, sir, then what you've done is you've dishonored her to a level that's lower than what God has already called her to be. Well, Brother Holland, you don't know who I'm married to. You just don't know. No, you just don't know. My wife is always complaining about something. My wife is a nag, and, you know, she just nags at me about everything. Listen, here's what I want to say to me and to every other father in the house. You and I are going to have to stop referring to our wives in a dishonorable way. Help me right there, somebody. And what we should do is what we should do is stop referring them, referring to them in a dishonorable way. And what we should do is leave this church today and get our wives, take them down to the hot spring Dairy Queen, buy her an orange sherbet, and look over at her and say, Baby, you excel them all. Huh? You excel them all. See, so when you start to value your wife at the same value that God places on her, watch this, then you begin to honor her, and that level of honor unlocks the treasure that's inside that woman. 
Y'all ain't helping nobody today. Honor unlocks the treasure, and here's what's crazy. A lot of times, treasure is hidden. Let me say it this way. The man knows how to bring out stuff in his woman that she didn't even know she had. Okay, so it says to dwell with your wives with understanding as the weaker vessel. Everyone say weaker vessel. Now, this does not mean that she is helpless and hopeless without you, sir. Y'all help me right here. Listen, I know women who's got four or five kids on their own. There ain't no daddy in the house. They're disciplined. They go to school. They get their own time. They take baths and brush their teeth. They ain't got no man helping them. Come on, I'm telling you, those babies are taken care of, and I'm telling you, there are women that work five jobs, raises five kids, and does everything by themselves and does it good. They're not weak. Come on, help me right there. They're not weak. Sometimes we just, as fathers and husbands, we act like that, you know what, our wives need us so badly. Y'all are quiet today, don't we? We act like, man, if I just tell you they just need us and they couldn't make it without us. I'm telling you it's the other way around. I'm telling you that you couldn't make it without your wife. All right. So it says to the weaker vessel. It does not mean that she is weaker. It means that she is a delicate piece of pottery. Like a beautiful piece of fine china. And God says that your wife is the weaker vessel. She's the weaker vessel, which means that she's supposed to be treated like the beautiful piece of fine china. So let me walk through this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Dwell with your wives, husbands, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Watch this. Because when honor is in place and as being heirs together, what are they recipients of? The grace for life. When there is honor established in your home between the man and the woman, the way that God defines order to be, when the man honors God and the man honors his wife as to the weaker vessel loving her and taking care of her, there is something that is released in your marriage and in your home that would have not previously been released. And according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it, what is released is the grace of life over your marriage. We keep trying to have our own relationships with Christ. And at the end of the day, that's true. You have your own walk. You can't get to heaven based upon your walk from your spouse, from your mama or your daddy. Everybody in this house has their own walk. All of us do. And we need to strengthen our own walk. But when you are married, you now have to walk with your wife. And the two of you should be coming together to bring strength and spiritual health to your wife. The two of you now become one. And you should be praying together. You should be reading the Bible together. You should not only pray over your food. You ought to have devotion together. My Lord, some of us will lean on our pastors and our church to raise our kids. It is not my job to raise your kid and to teach them the Bible. Sir, it is your job. Mom, it is your job to teach your own kids what the Bible has to say. And if the only time that
that they are reading the Bible is when our Sunday school teachers teach them, then you ain't doing something right and you need to reevaluate how you're parenting your kids. Crack the book open in the morning and teach them the Word of God. Huh? So, my question is, does your marriage have grace to enjoy life? Or is your marriage stagnant and dead? You see, because there is grace that's released over your marriage when you, sir, establish honor in your house, grace always follows honor. When you engage in the acts of honor, it releases grace from above. And when grace is released, it watch, it doesn't mean everything is going to be hunky-dory. And it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean everything's always going to fall in your favor. But it does mean that God is going to release a grace over your marriage. Not to just have the joy of marriage and to have the joy of your spouse. I just feel like telling somebody that God wants you to enjoy this life. It's not something that we're supposed to drag our lips around and pray to God. Oh, God, come quickly and save us from the big bad world. No, I'm going to enjoy every second of my life. I'm going to enjoy the creation that he put me in. I'm going to enjoy my spouse. I'm going to enjoy my kids. Not only that, God's going to release power power over my marriage so that my marriage could be a help to somebody else. Give God praise in his house today. Are y'all all right? Good. Let me share a few things before I get ready to close. When I get ready to close, we've got another 25 minutes, but I'm not ready to close yet. I'm just playing. We've got to establish, we got to establish a house of honor. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Submit to God, honor God, and then start valuing and honoring your wife the way the Bible describes your wife. Start honoring your wife, sir, the way that God describes her. All right, husbands, I'm going to leave you alone for a minute. Wives, oh, God, help me right here. The next time, the next time your husband goes out to stain the deck, when he comes in, do him a favor and tell him that he's the best deck stainer there is. Even if he's missed five pieces, go ahead and tell him, baby, you're the, you're the best wood stainer there is. There ain't nobody, there ain't nobody. Why don't, the next time he changes a light bulb or fixes something around the house or if he's not a handyman then uh you know tell him tell him you know what you, he you know at least you called somebody that could do it i just you, you're the best delegator there is if he's a handyman tell him he's the greatest handyman that there is you know learn how to enjoy your marriage and listen enjoy life Here, here's something here's something that's so practical learn how to how, learn how to laugh and smile. You know, there's some people that wouldn't even smile today if a gnat came in here and carried an elephant across the room. <laughs> learn how to laugh and have a good time. They're supposed to be your best friend. 
right? Honor. Put the right value on your spouse. In other words, um, sir, ma'am, stop telling the other person that they'll never amount to anything, that they're not good for nothing. Stop telling them that. Stop telling them that it'll never work out, that they'll never get it right, and start identifying them by the purpose in God. And watch, watch this. What, when you start speaking life into them, watch God draw out the thing you're speaking over them. Start telling them that they're the best handyman, and they might not know how to even turn on a drill, but by the time you get done speaking that over them, they're going to literally learn how to learn how to work a drill. Start speaking life into your marriage. Is this all right? So he goes from husbands to wives, then he, I'm getting ready to close. Then he goes from mothers to fathers, and this is unique because it's the same two people. But they're trying to manage two separate relationships, husbands and wives, and now you bring Bobby and Susie into the mix. Huh. So watch this. Good children and good families is the result of good marriages and good men and good women. I really want you to hear me this morning. You cannot have children who honor their parents when their fathers don't honor their mom. And I want you to hear me say this today. And you may have differences of opinions, and I, I, I don't really care. My wife is my main priority. Outside of my relationship with God, she's the most important part of my family. It's not my kids. It's my wife. How can I expect to have kids that are honorable when I'm not a father that shows honor to my wife first? You with me? We're living in a time where talk is very cheap. The idea of parenting where we tell kids, do as I say, not as I do. You ever, you ever said that? Maybe you've heard someone, you, just, just do as I say, not as I do. Listen, I want to tell you, parents, that nonsense has to stop. And it needs to stop with you and I here today. Your actions, Dad, your actions, Mom, they have to come into an alignment with the Word of God. Because it's illegal for you to tell your kids to stop doing something that you're not willing to stop doing yourself. If you want honor from your kids, then you're going to have to learn how to lead by example. Hear me today. If you want your kids to stop drinking, then you need to stop drinking. Y'all ain't going to help nobody. If you want your kids to stop cussing, then you need to stop cussing. If you want your kids to be faithful to church, then you, ma'am, you, sir, need to be faithful to church. The greatest gift, and I want you to hear me say this. I'm glad we're recording. The greatest gift that I can give my three, my three kids, Grace, Alyssa, and Alec, the greatest gift that I can leave behind is to show them how to properly treat my wife. The greatest thing that I can ever leave behind is not more money. It's not to teach them how to become pro golfers and to fulfill their dreams in life because far be it from me that they become great golfers and they fulfill their dreams and get great money, but they come 
cuss their wife and they abuse their wife and their family home, their family life, their home life falls apart. The greatest thing that I can do for my daughter is take her out on a date when she gets 13 years old and show her how a man is supposed to treat a lady. The, y'all ain't helping nobody. The greatest thing that I can do for my son is not to take him out and show him how to work hard. I believe in having a great work ethic. I believe in learning and teaching him how to change a flat tire and work a, a drill gun and shoot a gun. I believe in all of that. But the greatest thing that I can do for my son is to teach him how to properly treat a lady. It's not, don't look, for, don't look for classes at high school. It's not their job to teach them that. Don't send your kid to somebody else so that they can teach, teach them how to properly treat a lady. Dad, you do it. You're their father. You do it. Is this all right? So the greatest gift that I can leave my kids is to show them how to honor Christy. All right. So once honor is established in the home between the man and the wife, God releases the grace for living. And my first priority is my wife. Because if mom and dad would begin to teach our kids and show our kids what true love is supposed to actually look like, then our kids wouldn't be so quick to run to MTV to figure out what the world has to say about it. All right, I got that off my chest. I feel better. If you care about me, then say praise God. Some of you dads need to take your daughters on a date. Dad, the first ring they get needs to be from you. Huh? Okay. Some of, us, some of us need to start having Bible studies in our own home. Men, get off of work. Instead of, watching, instead of watching Duck Dynasty, go take a shower and have a Bible study with your son. I like the old country song. She thinks we're just fishing. Is that the song? I've, I hadn't heard it in a long time. Spend some time with your kids. Be there for them, which brings me to my last point. Here's what it says. Here's the last thing that he says. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. In other words, don't be mean to them. Don't do things out of spite just to make them mad. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So watch this. It starts out with a man named Adam. God creates man and says it's not good for man to be alone. He gives him Eve. Here's the biblical order that we just read, just in case you missed it. He addresses the man and says, you submit to me first. And then you, then you honor your wife. He addresses the man. Then he addresses the marriage. Then he addresses the parents. Then he addresses the kids. But he ends by coming back and saying, you fathers. Fathers. Raise your children in training. Raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. And I, listen, I understand that parenting is a twofold thing. It's mom and dad. I get that. 
But the pecking order of the Bible that's mapped out in his word that we just read is that when he gets ready to address parenting issues, he addresses the father first and says, Father, it's your responsibility to raise your kids and to train your kids and to teach them to follow me. How? By example. How? By establishing honor in your home. Here's what I came to say. The charge from the Bible is to us, fathers. The challenge today is unto us, men. Where are the ones that God has chosen to train a younger generation? Where are the ones that God has chosen to mentor, to raise up and to pass down the battalion and to pass down the mantle and to pass down the anointing? To a younger generation, it is our obligation to make sure that the fire of the altar in our own home never goes out. It was the responsibility of the priest to come in every day and remove the ashes of yesterday and to make sure that the fire of the altar never burned out. I'm trying to find in this house today where are the men that says, I'm going to tend the fire of my own home. Where are you chosen of God? Where are you called of God? It's your turn to pass down the mantle to a younger generation. It's your obligation. If the enemy is destroying your home today, you hear me. He's done it while on your watch. You're the band that holds your house together. You're the men of boldness. Where are the fathers? That have boldness today? Where are the men who have courage today? For it is God's desire for every man to step up and to do whatever it takes to be in the lives of his own children, providing for them, being there for them, and being the visual representation of Christ and the character of God. A father should love his children seeking to win their hearts. He should protect them, discipline them, and he should teach them about God. He should model on what it looks like to walk in integrity and to treat others with respect. He should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters most in eternity. Some of you know where this comes from. Some will hear it and mock it. Some will hear it and ignore it. But you, sir, you will be responsible before God of the influence and the position as a father that you've been given this day. You should not fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job and your hobbies and your career, they have no eternal value. But the souls of your children do. Some will hear this and agree with it, but they will have no resolve to live it out. And they will waste an opportunity to leave a godly mantle for the next generation. But there are some men here today who regardless of the mistakes that we've made in our past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, we will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God and to teaching our children to do the same. And whenever possible, we will love others who have no fathers in their lives, who desperately need the father figure. So we invite any man today 
whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution today. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family because by the grace of God, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my babies to follow Christ because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting for their family? I will. Who will ask God to break open the destructive patterns of my family history? I'm their father. I will do it myself. I am their father. I will provide. I will, I will protect. I will have the favor and the blessing of God on my home because I choose before this congregation today to establish honor in my home and I will courageously and boldly live out the rest of my days to see my kids raised in the house of God fulfilling their purpose and pursuing their dreams. I will because I'm their father. So it's time to rise up, Father. It's time that we had fathers rise up to the responsibility and to, the answer, to answer the call that God has on your life and publicly declare today that I will raise them. I will provide for them. I will care for them. I will honor my wife. I will honor their mother. And I will pray for the blessing of God on my family.